When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Luna the Podcast. I'm your host, Carolina Salazar, and I am here to be your spiritual big sister, guiding you to self-empowerment through self-discovery. My goal with this podcast is to provide grounded and easy-to-understand self-development tools to support you on your spiritual journey. My purpose is to help you learn to love both your light and your shadow, and to empower you to start showing up as your best self by nourishing your soul and doing the inner work. I am so grateful you're here today, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Luna the Podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because it is the very first guest episode on the pod. I have been wanting to get guests on the pod for a little while now. But I also wanted to focus the first 10 episodes on topics that I really wanted to share my knowledge about and my thoughts about. And I definitely will still have episodes like that going forwards. But for today's episode, we're diving into one of my all-time favorite topics to talk about. Those close to me know I cannot stop talking about astrology with anyone and everyone. I started diving into the world of astrology a little while ago now, and it truly never ceases to amaze me as a tool to enable self-discovery, self-compassion, as well as understanding other people better, understanding our paths, and how nothing in our life happens for no reason. Everything happens in alignment with your path, with your soul's evolution, and astrology provides clues into how to better prepare yourself to face the challenges and the situations that come about in your life. So today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Anaya Brielle. She's a phenomenal astrologer and a fellow lover of all things mystic. She's a studier of the stars and she combines modern and traditional techniques with a focus on birth chart astrology, also known as natal astrology, which basically studies the sky at the moment someone was born. She's a Gemini sun, Pisces rising, and Aries moon, and one of the most knowledgeable and relatable astrologers I have ever met. She never ceases to amaze me with her thorough knowledge of the cosmos. I stumbled upon her TikTok a few months ago, where she shares a ton of astrology content, and I've already had two astrology readings with her, so I can attest to her knowledge firsthand. We ended up talking for over an hour and a half, so I decided to make this into two episodes. One will be released this week, and then the following one will be released next week. And on today's episode, we will get to know a little bit more about Anaya and also dive into why astrology is such a powerful tool, as well as some of the core basics, which are the houses, the planets, and the signs. And those are the core elements of a birth chart. So we'll break those down for you to kind of explain how to look at your own chart and how to understand yourself more fully. So without further ado, let's dive into it. Welcome, Anaya. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. So happy you're here too. So just to start off the episode, could you just introduce yourself and share a little bit about you? Definitely. So as she said, my name is Anaya Brielle. Um, Well, that's my business name. My name is just Anaya. And I am an astrology enthusiast. I love astrology and I've been studying it for several years now. Um, I started my business just in August of last year. So I'm coming up on a year now, which is crazy and exciting. Um, But I like to think of my business as kind of like a three-part system. I uh, creation, you know, advising, consulting, and teaching astrology pretty much. So the first part is obviously content creation, doing TikTok videos and also Instagram uh, creation. And then the teaching part of it is I have a, I'm on a platform called Patreon. So I have patrons that come and I teach them kind of the in-depth detailed part of astrology that I don't get to share, you know, on the quick little bits of TikTok and Instagram. And the last part is advising and consulting. So 
with that being said, I take clients and me and my clients, we discuss their birth charts, their needle charts and everything that comes with that. So I really give them all the details so that they can navigate their lives in the best way possible um, and really go through every little bit with them so that they fully understand and can implement that into their lives. So those that's the kind of like the three part system of my business, but super excited to you know be doing what I'm doing. I love it. I wake up every day and I'm super happy to be you know having this job, this business. So it's a great thing and astrology is a wonderful thing. So it, it all works out, but that's kind of the, the gist of what I do. That's so amazing. We love an entrepreneurial babe um, <laughs> and I can definitely attest that Anaya is amazing. She did my natal chart a few months ago and my mind was blown with everything <laughs> that you shared. So um, it's so awesome that you're sharing so much knowledge about astrology because I feel like it's a really amazing tool for self-discovery, self-compassion, and just kind of learning about the patterns in your life. So can you share with the audience how you got started with astrology mm -hmm. and what first drew you in? Of course. I think I got started in a very similar way to a lot of other people in the sense that the first kind of introduction that people have to astrology is like pop astrology is what it's called. So sun sign astrology, where you know, you're reading horoscopes in magazines or online, or you have a crush on someone and you're looking up if you're compatible with them, things like that. So I really just started out looking up, you know, things about Gemini and I'm a Gemini. So really looking up like, what does Gemini mean? Or, or what does that mean about me? Um, and then there's this website actually, I forget exactly what it's called, but it kind of breaks down each zodiac sign. It tells you like the strengths and the weaknesses and things like that. Um, and so I really was like diving deep into that website and started looking up my mom's, you know, my mom's stuff, my brother's stuff. And then from there, it just grew, you know, I don't even know how it started. It just kind of like expanded. I found something else online that led me to something else. And so I just kept learning and learning. It was so intriguing to me. And as a Gemini, my attention span is very little. So I get bored so easily. So it's really easy for me to just, you know, see something like it and then move on really quickly. But astrology really held my interest. And I was like, oh, this must be something that's, you know, important to me or something that I really need to dive deeper into. And the more that I got into it and looked at my birth chart personally, I saw that there were definitely a lot of signs that point to me doing something with astrology or something spiritually based uh, when it comes to like a business or how I, you know, live my life or whatever it may be. And so I really took that and ran with it and just kept learning and learning and learning. Um, and here I am today. So definitely in a way that most people start off, but really kind of progressed throughout the years. Wow, that's amazing. I can definitely relate to that in terms of how I developed my interest for astrology I remember being very little and maybe I was like five years old and I was at lunch with my family and my babysitter and she had a Scorpio necklace on mm. and I remember I was like oh what is that and she was like oh it's my astrology sign I'm a Scorpio and then I remember since I was very little I always had this deep interest in astrology and mm -hmm. as a Gemini Venus I can definitely also like tend to have interest in many different things, but not go super right. in depth with a lot of them. And I found that astrology has also really captured my attention. And every time I, I find myself going into these loopholes and reading mm -hmm. about all the asteroids and the planets and just learning more and more, and it's such an intricate system. So could you explain the basis of a natal chart and how it works and just an overview of the different parts of it. Yeah, for sure. You're so right. It is so intricate and there's so much information. Like it's the most vast subject. I swear there's always more to learn, which is why I kind of consider myself, like I mentioned earlier, more of an enthusiast of astrology rather than, you know, I don't like to call myself an astrologer because I feel like there's always so much to learn. I'm always a student. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as the basics of a natal chart um, and just the basics of astrology really, it starts off with the planets. The planets are really the most important part of astrology. They are the basis for everything, the foundation. And the planets in your chart are kind of like actors for you and your life. They really act out certain roles in life. Those roles are the zodiac signs. So each zodiac sign has certain characteristics, certain you know traits that is tied to that zodiac sign. And when that planet is in that specific zodiac sign, it really plays out those characteristics in a certain way, in a certain role. 
Um, and then lastly, well, second to last, really, it's the houses. So there are 12 houses, just like there are 12 zodiac signs. And the houses are really areas of life. So each house corresponds to a certain area of your life that these actors, the planets play out their roles. So you can look to each house to really tell you um, how certain areas of your life will play out or what energy that area of your life will hold. And then the last part are the aspects. So aspects are planets basically in conversation, communication with one another. They share certain energy and that energy can be kind of combative or difficult or it can be very beneficial, very easy flowing. Um, it just depends on the aspect, which just is where the planets are in the sky in relation to the other planets. So they're like angles. Um, but that's kind of like the gist of a, of a birth chart, of a natal chart and of astrology in general. Um, and putting all of that together will tell you different ways that you can tap into different strengths in your chart or in your life. Um, it can also tell you where you might be a little bit weaker and how to strengthen that as well, how to work with that energy um, and just different characteristics or energy that'll play out in your life. So it's super beneficial, so helpful, definitely a tool to improve your life. And I think that everyone should really kind of learn the basics of their birth chart. So hopefully that kind of gets things started for anyone. Amazing. That is a great overview. And also for people listening, if you don't know what a natal chart is, it's basically a map of the sky and how it looked like on the day, minute, hour, and place in the universe where you were born. And so it's very, very specific to every person. And I find that whenever I talk about astrology with people, there are some people that are super into it and very receptive, but there are a lot of skeptics and a lot of people who use argument like, oh, it's so general and it's, yeah, it's just so, so broad. And I feel like that's really stemming from people who read just off of the magazines or of the right. general, just like horoscopes for your sun sign. And then also a lot of people say like, oh, but does that mean that I have no willpower or is my future defined? So when you face these people, kind of these skeptics, how do you go about that and kind of explaining yeah. the value of astrology? Great question. Um, that's always something that I struggle with and that, you know, obviously you see so often because with pop astrology and the way that astrology has gone in recent years, people are so misunderstood. There's so many misconceptions about it. And even I feel like hesitant to tell people about my business because I feel like people will automatically be like, oh, she's like, you know, she's weird or she's crazy or this stuff isn't real. Like how to have a business around that. So it's definitely something that needs to be debunked and like understood better mm -hmm. when it comes to people who do, you know, say that to me, or I do encounter that kind of rhetoric. I always kind of say that as far as the last part of what you said about willpower, um, it really, we still have free will. You know, your chart doesn't define you. You define your chart. You define the planets in your chart and how they act. Um, you can so easily control every little thing. It's just a roadmap. It's like a guide to your best self, to your best life. Um, as far as like what astrology is, it's just correlation. So it's not cause and effect. You know, it's not saying I'm a Gemini, so I'm going to act like this, or I have this planet here. So that means this. It's really just, okay, so many other people have this planet and this sign, and they all share these characteristics. There has to be a correlation there. And so it really is just saying that whatever's happening in the sky with the planets and how they move, it is reflecting what's happening here on earth. And so that way you can see those correlations and how those things tie together and bring them all together in a natal chart to tell you what these traits, how they may show up in your life or in who you are as a person. Um, so definitely free will is 100% still there. We all can choose, you know, things in our lives. And just because someone has, you know, the exact same chart doesn't mean their, their lives will be the exact same. So like twins, for example, I always get that question. Um, twins will have pretty much the same exact chart, but their lives can be so drastically different because they have free will because they choose, but they're always going to have so many uncanny similarities in how their lives turn out just in different ways. 
Um, so yeah, that's definitely a really big kind of thing with astrology and misconception about how broad it is. But like you said, once you really get into the nitty gritty of it and you know, like it gets down to the minute of when you were born and how specific that makes your birth chart. I think when people take the time to learn about it, they'll be mind blown. But until then, there definitely is that pushback on what it even is or how it really affects us um, in a certain way. So it's definitely something that needs to be. And I think honestly, like people are kind of learning more and more about especially with TikTok and like all this knowledge out there there is definitely so much more room to like you know get more knowledge to understand more um but it is still kind of like a struggle so yeah yeah and we love astrology TikTok um yes. but you know, everything you said is so on point and I so agree I think when people kind of come to me with those skepticisms I always say that it's a map but it's not necessarily the trajectory and that at the end of your life and you look back and if someone read you your chart, everything would make sense. But exactly. when you're younger, you're also kind of figuring it out and tracing your own story. But I think most people who are skeptics, if they, later on in their life when they're 80 or more, were able to have a reading, everything would kind of, they would let go of those skeptic kind of thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I also think that every sign has a duality too. So signs yeah. have the shadows and they have the lights. So you can choose to embrace the positive aspects of a of any of the signs, but you can also choose to embrace the negative. And right. that affects also. That's why I think even for twins, they could have very, very similar lives, but they could embody different dualities of every sign. Exactly. So, That's so yeah. true. Yeah. And I, I definitely like... When it comes to like say transits, so when things are happening at the current moment with planets, um, and I you know I talk about it, I talk about the eclipses or whatever, I always recommend that people come back to that video or that post or whatever in six months' time and like think about wow, like that really did you know affect certain things in my life in that area of life that it was occurring in for me that house, and it's just so crazy to see the correlation and how like uncanny that similarity is it's just so mind-blowing even to me still you know and anyone else who's been studying astrology or into astrology for years it's still crazy to be like wow I cannot believe how like exact that situation was so it is definitely a really good tool and, and like thing to think about to come back at the end of your life to think about wow all these things unfolded according to my birth chart you know it's so exact and really like understand your life in a different kind of way so it's it's so so valuable in that way yeah I know it's so true I've done that before like looked back into into what a specific transit was especially yeah. longer transits and then afterwards I'm like wow that really gave me so much wisdom and maybe mm -hmm. I would read a preview before once and then I would come back to it months later and be so awestruck so I always say it's it's so amazing and it's helped it me is learn to be a better version of myself and just be aware of where I can get extreme or where I can struggle. And it kind of gives me a peace of mind that everything like you, we were put in this earth with kind of this purpose and this soul path that we're going to trace and mm -hmm. the lifelong process of discovering it is what's so beautiful, but having these tools also helps so much. So as a kind of little crash course, you give us an overview of the houses and then and explain how the rising sign affects the house placements. And then we'll go on to the planets and the signs after. Definitely. Yeah. So um, as a, again, like a refresher, all the houses are areas of life. So again, there are 12 houses and there are 12 signs. So there are two different ways to kind of think about it and different astrologers will choose different ways. Some people will say that um, it's called an ABC system, that the houses correlate with the signs. 
Um, and then some people say that they're completely different. So it really just depends. I personally do obviously see the correlation. So I'll kind of discuss it in that way. So the rising sign is always going to be uh, the ascendant and therefore the first house, basically. So there are different house systems and it depends on what house system you're looking at or what you're using in order to determine what your houses will look like. But in general, you can associate the rising sign with the first house. And so depending on what your rising sign is, every other house after that will be set up according to the, um, the way the zodiac goes. So if you have an Aries first house, you'll have a Taurus second house and so on, just mm -hmm. like Caro. Um, and if you have a Gemini first house, you're going to have a Cancer second house and so on. And so it just goes in order to zodiac. Um, the first house is going to be, again, the rising sign. So it's all about you as a person, you individually, who you are, how you show up in the world, the lens through which you look at things, um, and your personal stake, basically, in this in this world, in this life. Um, it really can be a valuable tool to guide you on kind of your path on your journey, even if you're not looking at your entire needle chart, looking at your rising sign, and then the planet that rules that sign and where it's at in your chart can give you a lot of guidance to kind of the path that you're supposed to take in life and then the second house is going to be the house of finances possessions the things that we own um, if you want to think about it in terms of correlation it correlates to the sign Taurus and Taurus is all about values and so it really is about our value system and where we find value in life um, that can be your possessions or it can be your self-value it can be anything that you own or that you um, see as valuable the third house would be the house of communication. So how we talk and listen to people, you know, how we share our ideas, how we process information, but also the house of proximity in the sense of the things that are close to us. So our local environment, our siblings, you know, the things that are around us in some kind of way that we have a connection to. The fourth house is the house of home and family. So it's really like that cozy kind of blanket that's the area of life that the fourth house really represents is the place that you feel most secure and most safe and comfortable um, and that can be your family it can be your chosen family you know even if it's not your blood family it can just be you know an area of the world that you feel most comfortable in whatever kind of relates to that is your fourth house the fifth house then is the things that really bring us joy and happiness. So once you're comfortable, once you've established like that stable foundation, which is the fourth house, then you get to enjoy the fruits of your labor or enjoy your life in a certain kind of way. So the fifth house is, you know, creativity and joy and our skills, our talents, our hobbies, our interests. Um, it also rules over romance. So that like the dating part of romance, you know, the, the puppy love kind of part of it. Um, and anything that we really just shine, that's where we shine in our lives, the fifth house. The sixth house is the house of routine and things being steady and secure and practical. You know, it's the house that deals with the things that we have to maintain in order to be a human, you know, live a human existence, you know, taking care of yourself and working, um, the work that you produce, but also your work environment. It rules over your, you know, daily routines, how you take care of your health, things like that, and just physical health in general. So if you're dealing with, you know, ailments or illnesses, you can look to the sixth house for a little bit of clues about what that could entail or how to work with it. The seventh house, getting to the other half of the chart really, is the house of other people. So the first house being the house of self, opposite the, the first would be the seventh. So it's others in your life, whether that is a romantic relationship, a familial relationship, a really close friendship, a business partnership, um, all of those things fall into the seventh house of relationships, basically. So you can look to that seventh house to tell you the kind of themes and characteristics you should look for in other people in order to have the most valuable kind of relationship that, you know, would work best for you both. Then the eighth house. So the eighth is opposite the second, the second being our possessions, the eighth being other people's or shared possessions, shared values. Um, it represents, you know, the things that we really either want to share or don't want to share. So it can also be secrets, you know, it can think, be things about our lives that we are not comfortable, you know, opening up with or being vulnerable with. Um, and it also deals with trauma because of that. So the things that are difficult, you know, the struggles that we have in our lives and therefore are uncomfortable with being vulnerable with those things. And then the ninth house is our house of expansion I like to think of it so the expansion of the mind that can be through travel that can be through higher education um, it's also our personal philosophy so how we personally 
choose to live our lives, like our morals and our ethics um, and how we govern ourselves basically. And then the 10th house. So this is opposite the fourth of, you know, security and home and, and privacy. So the 10th is the most public part, the highest part of our chart, the part that everyone gets to see, you know, it's the rooftop of the house that, you know, it's not guarded at all. So it's our future goals and career and the things that we want to achieve for ourselves, um, how we want to be known publicly. It's like our reputation, our persona, like our public persona. Then the 11th house. So the fifth house, again, it's opposite the fifth house. So the fifth house is, our, you know, our, our, our personal like enjoyment, whereas the 11th house is more like that social realm, you know, the things that we do to be a part of a group, whether that be social network, you know, social media, um, meeting new people, going out, going out in the town, whatever it is. Um, and it also deals with our hopes and our dreams for our future. So the 10th is like our goals, whereas the 11th is like, what do we dream of? You know, like what's the best case scenario? What is our ideal life? You know, that's the 11th house. So you really want to look to that house to tell you the best path to take to get to your hopes and dreams and how to dream for yourself. And then lastly, the 12th house. So this is right behind the first house in a, you know, circular wheel chart. And so you can think of it as the things that are almost behind you or in the shadows. So it's the house of isolation, you know, where we go to spend time alone. Um, it's the house of kind of like, you can think of it as imprisonment. So the things that are kind of stuck in somewhere that you can't fully get to, it seems like unattainable or, you know, out of reach. Um, it also deals with like our mental health, our spiritual and mental health. So what happens on our on a subconscious level, you know, the things that are not tangible, but they're there, they're very real, but it's almost, you know, difficult to really understand or grasp. Um, and so the 12th house is a really important house. I think for everyone, everyone needs to really look to their 12th house to tell them how to really improve their mental and spiritual health um, and what they need, the tools they need to be their best selves in that realm of their lives. Um, but that is the, the 12 houses um, in, the birth, in the natal chart, birth chart. Amazing. Wow. Even just listening to you go through that and thinking about my own chart again mm -hmm. for like the millionth time, <laughs> I started like having different realizations and it's so awesome how, how in-depth it can get because I remember when I first started diving into astrology, I feel like first you start with the signs, like right. the basic three, like big three, sun, moon, and rising, which is what most people know. And then you start going into more of the other planets. And then you mm -hmm. start like understanding how there are all other signs. But then when you get into the placements of the planets in the houses mm -hmm. <laughs> and learning what sign governs each house is when you really start to yes, get like, into it and it crazy. blows your mind. Yeah. So I think that that's so awesome. That was so helpful. I'm sure for the listeners. Can you do a little bit of an overview and also on the planet's and explain yeah. how like if people have certain planets more concentrated in a house or a few houses, what that would mean. Yeah. So there are 10 planets and they really vary from like personal to impersonal. Um, and so the first planet really to consider and this is the one that most people do know about themselves is the sun. So the sun is the sun in the sky, you know, it's how we shine. It's what, how we light up, you know, in our lives and where we light up in our lives. Um, and so the sign that the sun is in will tell you the characteristics that you should embrace in order to shine at your, you know, your brightest. Um, it's something that we kind of grow into, you know, I've, I've kind of recently thought about this and I'm always thinking about astrology, you know, everything that happens in life, I know can be tied back to it. So I'm always mm -hmm. considering it when I think about everything. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about, you know, let's say you, like people ask me when it comes to synastry, which is like, you know, two charts interacting, um, what happens when you have the same sun, sun sign as someone has the same rising sign as you? 
And I always think of it as like competition because the rising sign person already embraces those qualities. Like that rising sign is literally who you are, who you came into the world as. Whereas the sun sign person is trying to grow into their qualities, you know, grow into that quality of that sign. And so it's almost like you see someone and they're already who you want to be. And so your sun sign is what you're growing into um, and someone that something that you should be embracing. Wow, the, so powerful. Just a side yeah. interesting because, you know, I was saying earlier how our souls, like they come into this earth with a path in mind and like lessons that it wants to learn. And for me, for example, I was born in the first few hours of Taurus. Mm-hmm. Like I was supposed to be a Taurus, um, but I was born 15 days earlier. Mm-hmm. And if I had been born like a few hours before, maybe one hour before I would have been Aries. So it's interesting because I definitely identify a lot with the Aries qualities, but I feel like to fully learn in life and like a lot of my struggles come from when I don't embrace my Taurus Mm -hmm. side or I don't grow into it. So it's really powerful to have that realization and just realize that you can learn a lot also from the people who have the rising sign in your own sun sign. Definitely. Yeah. And I was thinking about it today, actually, like I was thinking about, you know, me as a Gemini and how I truly have my entire life always wanted to, without even knowing it was Gemini qualities, wanted to embrace Gemini qualities, you know, be more social, be more communicative, you know, be more outgoing, whatever it is. I always wanted to be that. Um, Whereas I was, you know, I was very much my Pisces rising. Like I was very more introverted and, you know, quiet and, you know, peaceful, whatever it may be. But I always wanted to be Gemini like without even knowing what it was um, and so it's crazy how we we push ourselves to embrace the qualities of our sun sign without even really realizing that's what we're doing um, so it is definitely because you it's almost like you know that it's going to be how you shine best you know that once you embrace those qualities you're going to be living your best life so it's really interesting how that works out mm-hmm. um, and then the next one so the next luminary there are two luminaries the sun and the moon So the moon reflects the sun's light in the sky, and it pretty much does the exact same thing in our charts. Um, It really reflects the way that we shine. It reflects the way that we live our best lives and how we, you know, who we're embracing, what we're growing into. Um, And it's really like our internal processes. So our emotional selves, our feeling selves, how we react to the world around us and how we, um, you know, take in the information and the energy from the world around us. So it's more of that private part of ourselves that only the select few get to see. Um, And so it's something that you should cherish and understand really well to understand how you how you do react to the world around you and it really gives you so much like you've said before peace of mind like knowing that your reactions and your emotional feelings are are valid and they're there for a reason you know mm-hmm. um and so the moon is super super valuable to understand yourself mm-hmm. would you and also then, say, sorry okay. would you also You're say okay. that the moon is where we tend like the house placement of the moon is where we tend to get most reactive because for example, my moon is in my fourth house. And in in a way, like that has been a very intimate part of my chart. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I can definitely feel all my emotions pretty freely when I'm home. But I also feel like at home is where I get most reactive. So would you say that that's a correlation? Mm-hmm. I definitely think it's a correlation. Um, for me personally, my moon is in my second house. So the house of, you know, finances, possessions. I'm a very easygoing, chill kind of person. You know, I really let things flow in life. I understand that everything happens for a reason. So I rarely get stressed. But the one thing that I do get stressed over is money, is finances, and what's, you know, happening with that area of my life. So 100%, the area, the house that your moon is in will tell you so much about what triggers you, you know, like what you feel most intensely about, um, and also like where you can find the most comfort. So just like you said, you know, your fourth house, you can feel your emotions freely with your at home with your family, but you also like can get, you know, emotional about your family or feel a certain way about that emotionally. And so it's definitely a two way street. Um, So yes, absolutely. The house placement of your moon will tell you so much about where you need the most security, but also where you're going to feel the most out of place when you're not secure in that area of your life. So it's definitely that double-edged sword, 100%. Interesting. Yeah. And I would also say it's probably like if you pay attention to your emotional well-being in that area of your life, like if you nourish that house with the qualities of that sign, you will Mm -hmm. feel emotionally well. 
So I think, for example, when I embrace my cancer moon, like my cancer side at home, like letting myself cry, letting myself be nurturing, be caring to myself and to others, I'm able to feel well. And that's why also whenever I come home, I just feel so, so refreshed and so myself. So it's really powerful to look at your moon placement. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Luna, the podcast are all about the moon. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The moon, the mother. Um, So the next one we go into is Mercury. So Mercury is the messenger God, you know, it's all about messages and, um, communication and and thoughts and ideas and words, you know, everything that has to do with messages in some kind of way. Um, And so currently we are in the midst of Mercury retrograde, which everyone I'm sure is pretty familiar with. Um, And what happens with Mercury retrograde is that it just appears to be going backwards in the sky from our vantage point here on earth. And things just feel backwards, you know, during that time, things feel like they're not moving forward or they're restricted or confusing, whatever it may be. So that is why Mercury retrograde is what it is because it's the God of mess, you know, of messages and um, words and ideas. So that's what gets kind of skewed during retrograde. Um, then you go to Venus. So Venus is our goddess. She's the, you know, about love and beauty and harmony and appreciation and values. Um, and you really want to look at your Venus sign and placement to tell you how you can receive love in the best way, what you need to feel beautiful or feel appreciated. Um, And also like just your style of love and how you choose to show people that you care or that you appreciate them, you know, that you value them. So your Venus is just as important as everything else and can really give you so many clues about what love looks like in your life in various different ways. Mm -hmm. And then Mars. So Mars is about aggression and action, you know, really about force and going forward in life. So how we go forth and what we choose to do to take action on things. It also will tell us a lot about um, our motivation and like what kind of gets us going, like what gets us excited and able to go forth and and take action. Um, Your Mars is super, super important when it's when it comes to like dealing with things that you can't fully think about. It's more like that intuition, like that quick impulsive reaction to things. Um, And so you can really look at your Mars for intuition guidance and what will kind of drive you in in the world and in life. And then um, we go to kind of like a little bit more of the outer planets. Um, These are still affecting us or like, you know, has an impact on our charts, but it's less personal than those first placements. So we get to Jupiter next. And I love Jupiter. Jupiter we love is Jupiter. Yes. A Pisces rising. God, of course. <laughs> of course. Jupiter is is wonderful. Um, Jupiter is the largest planet in our solar system. So it is about large things, expansion and growth and abundance. And who doesn't love those things? Um, it really can give you a lot of perspective. It's all about seeing things in vast, you know, large ways. Um, And it can give us a little bit of luck, you know, a little sprinkle of luck here and there in the area of life that it corresponds to when it comes to the houses and really can be like a teacher, you know, Jupiter's like a teacher, like the the really nice one, you know, the the teacher that everyone loves, the jolly kind of fellow that really can guide you and give you some good, you know, advice for the future. That's Jupiter. Um, And so you really want to look to where Jupiter is in your chart to number one, see where you could have a little bit more of luck or a little bit more growth, but also can, it can tell you and teach you um, how to be more expansive in your life and what you need to be more expansive and more open-minded. The more open-minded you are with Jupiter, the better. So love, Mm -hmm. love Jupiter. So would you say with Jupiter, you would attract more luck into your life when you start embracing the sign that it's in, the qualities of that sign and the house placement? Like how would you tease apart the two and how to embrace the power of Jupiter so we can all call in abundance into our lives. Right. Um, yes, you're a hundred percent on the right track. Um, really understanding the sign that Jupiter is in your chart can give you a lot of guidance and clues as to what you should be embracing, like you said, in order to bring more abundance into your life and to really have that open mindset. Um, and so for example, like my Jupiter is in Aries and 
the more that I get yeah, <laughs> Jupiter Aries gang, <laughs> um, the more that I embrace Aries qualities and it's in my second house. So also embracing Aries qualities as it relates to finances or as it relates to value or my self value, um, the more like expansion I have. So literally the simplest thing I think for me, um, I love to be active. I love to work out, go to the gym and things like that. Aries represents activity and, you know, force it's like Mars. So and it relates to my self-value because I value myself enough to take care of myself and make, you know, give, you know, health to my life. And so the more that I do that, just naturally that progression, I tend to have a lot more abundance in my life when I'm intentionally active, when I'm intentionally putting effort and time into my physical health and being more active in some kind of way. So just that little bit of you know that little correlation 100% brings more abundance and growth to me um so yes you're you're 100% right yeah I know similarly like my Jupiter is also in Aries but it's all but it's in my first house instead Mm -hmm. of my second house so for me the way I see that is the more I embrace who I am and the more I know what I want and can get specific about it the more I'll go after it the more I'll expand and Mm -hmm. grow and attract what I want But if I'm feeling really down on myself or being really self-critical or not accepting who I am and also just being really unclear about what I want, Mm -hmm. Jupiter doesn't, it's not as activated. So exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. And then we go to pretty much like the opposite of Jupiter, which is Saturn. So Saturn, Saturn. (laughs) yes. (laughs) Um, Saturn is our, you know, our authoritarian. So Jupiter is our teacher, but Saturn is our authoritarian. And Mm -hmm. it forces us, you know, to really learn the lessons that we need to, we all need to learn in our lives. It forces us to mature. Um, And that's why we go through something called a Saturn return, which is about like 29 and a half to, you know, 32, it pretty much lasts where you are, you know, Saturn's returning back to where it was when you were born. And in that area of life, like regarding that house, you're going to see so much more difficulty and so much more um, challenges and lessons to be learned. But at the end of that Saturn return, you are so much more mature. You're so much more, you know, like aware of your life and your responsibilities and how to move forward in the best way for you in a more structured way so that your life is what you expect it to be. So it's brutal. Saturn can be brutal and challenging and hard and difficult, but it's so worth it in the end because you are so much more mature and you know so many more things about the path you're supposed to take in life. So mm-hmm. Saturn can can suck, but it can also be so valuable in the end. So Saturn is that, um, that really hard teacher in our lives. Mm-hmm. And then here again, it's important to look at the sign and the house to understand like what area of life specifically you're going to be learning a lot of lessons in. And then yes. also the sign. So would you say it's like the more you embrace that sign, the better you'll be able to kind of have discipline? Or is it that the energy of that sign is what's most difficult for you to understand? Yeah, I would say all of the above. Um, Saturn spends about, you know, a decent amount of time, a couple, you know, years in a sign. And so um, a few years rather. So the sign placement can be very helpful in learning how to navigate the area of life that Saturn is in in your chart, like the house that Saturn's in your chart. Mm-hmm. So for example, you can look at where Saturn is, like what house it's in to tell you where you may struggle and therefore where you need to put more effort into. So I have my Saturn in my third house in Taurus and I have to put so much more effort into communication, into being social with people, you know, putting myself out there. Um, That's where my effort has to come into play. When you put effort into where Saturn is in your chart, you're going to see the rewards so vastly. Like you're really going to see the fruits of your labor when you put effort there, when you take responsibility for that area of your life. So for me, with it being Taurus, (laughs) (laughs) with it being Taurus, when I embrace Taurus qualities when it comes to communicating with people. So when I slow down my speech, you know, when I really like (laughs) am very clear on what I'm saying, when I feel very stable within myself, my communication skills see so much more of a boost. So it definitely has that correlation there. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, I I mean, my my Saturn is also in Taurus, but in my Mm -hmm. second house conjunct my son, which is interesting. 
So I've been trying to understand that a lot. And I recently, you know, moving, I'm moving out of my parents' house because I just graduated Mm -hmm. college in like a month or so. And I had a conversation with my parents the other day about finances. It's kind of really tied to the second house Mm -hmm. and kind of like having discipline and being self-sufficient and all these things that they really want me to, to, to embrace. And I want to embrace also, but it's definitely something I need to be disciplined about and, you know, budget and have all these very stable, like have a stable relationship with it and be very careful and patient instead of just going and like spending all my money and things like that. So it's interesting because it ties to a lot of the lessons that you're here to learn. So I think Saturn can be scary, but it's something I really want to learn more about always. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what Saturn kind of represents is that although these things can be scary, like putting yourself out there for me, you know, like being more social, whatever can be challenging or scary. I know that the more effort I put into it, the less scary it'll be, but also like the more, you know, benefits I'll receive from that. So yes, it is scary, but it's so helpful and necessary for our growth. Um, And then you move into like really kind of generational or less personal planets. So after Saturn, uh, we go to Uranus. And this is the planet that deals with shock and sudden change and rebellion and the things that we want to break down, the structures that aren't working, that we know are not for our best, you know, interest. And so we want to take them away, break them down. Um, And so Uranus, you can think of it as like a lightning bolt. And where it's at in your chart will determine the area of life where you need to be your most authentic, where you need to be your most unique and really embrace all the qualities of yourself, regardless of what anyone else has to say about them, whatever anyone expects from you, you want to kind of almost go against the opposite, you know, do the opposite and really do whatever feels best and feels right for you and your authenticity. So Uranus really can give you so many clues as to how you're going to kind of go against the norm and what is going to come from that, like all the benefits from that. So mm-hmm. definitely recommend looking at, you know, the house placement of Uranus in your chart. The sign won't matter as much because it is generational. So it does last, you know, in that sign for a really long time. Um, but this house placement is what's most important with that. And also the aspects that it's making to other planets. So Uranus is that, you know, that shocking planet that tears everything down, but it also gives you a lot of boost to being more, you know, unique and more authentic and embracing that authenticity. I love that. Yes. Um, and then Neptune. So Neptune is a tricky planet. Um, it is so, you know, deceiving and confusing, and you really need to pay a lot of attention to your Neptune placement in your chart. Um, Neptune is like, it really puts a haze or a fog over things. You know, it's almost like you're, you're in a boat at night and you're, it's foggy in front of you, can't see that far in front of you, and you're wondering what's next, but you really can't tell you, you won't know until you get there. So you're, you're peering into the darkness. You're like really paying so much attention. That's what you need to be thinking about with your Neptune and your chart, paying more attention to that area of life and the planets that are interacting with your Neptune. Um, But it also deals with like our intuition and, you know, our spirituality and um, how we kind of feel things out in our lives without thinking too logically about it. And so Neptune can also be a really big help in knowing where in life you need to be using your intuition more than anything, really feeling things out and understanding things on a deeper level rather than just the tangible things that you can see or touch or feel, um, but really understanding on like a different kind of level. So Neptune is, you know, confusing and deceiving, but it's also really helpful in tapping into our intuition, which we all should be doing more of. So I do, you know, Neptune is like that love and hate relationship, but it can be very, very helpful. Yeah, no, totally. And I feel like Neptune... I think the topic of self-sabotage is very interesting. And would you say Neptune is probably the planet that's most tied to that? And like looking at where it's placed and realizing, okay, like this is where I have to be extra careful so I don't engage in self-sabotage. A hundred percent because Neptune also rules over escape. And I think that a lot of self-sabotage comes from wanting to escape something in some kind of way, you know, like you are in a relationship, let's say that is going really, really well, but you've been in bad relationships before. And so you're wanting to escape this feeling of someone, you know, loving you a certain way that you've never been, you know, 
uh, understood before had before and so you're self-sabotaging that relationship to escape the fear of like being with someone that really truly cares for you or you know anything like that so yes Mm -hmm. Neptune really can tell you a lot about where you need to pay more attention to in order to not mess up a good thing or ruin something that you truly need for yourself that you may be fearful of for some reason um and therefore like tippy-toeing more around that area of your life with neptune in your chart so yes definitely that self-sabotage does correlate with neptune mm-hmm. awesome no yeah, yeah i think that's definitely a good pointer for people who want to grow spiritually mm-hmm. and kind of take care of themselves it's really important to learn about their neptune yeah. um and then the last one pluto right pluto like so technically is, it's not a planet anymore right. but it's a planet in astrology exactly yeah pluto is really even scarier than uh, than saturn um pluto is like the really tough person in your life that when you were a baby they just threw you into the deep end and taught you you know you don't swim you know i'm gonna throw you here you're gonna figure it out but you're not going to like it. It's going to be scary. But once you get out of it, you're going to have so much more strength and so much more like ability to do that, even if it was scary. Mm-hmm. So Pluto definitely throws you into the deep end and forces you to learn lessons, forces you to grow. Whereas Saturn is almost guiding you. Pluto is forcing you. And so it can be very difficult. And wherever Pluto is in your chart, it can tell you a lot about the area of life and the themes of that area of life that were very difficult to deal with, that were very challenging, that almost like hurt you. You know, you were kind of, you felt pain in that area of life, but it was for your best interest. It was for you to grow and to improve in some kind of way. Um, And so I think that Pluto is just as important as every other planet. You know, it gets overlooked because it's so generational, but it's super important to number one, understand where in life you're going to face challenges in order to grow. Mm-hmm. but also where a lot of your power lies, like where you have a lot of power in your life and, and how you can show up in that very strong kind of way, um, depending on what house it's in. So Pluto can be scary just like Saturn, but it's also so much so for your benefit and for your growth um, and improvement in life. So, um, but yeah, that's that's the last kind of the planet of the bunch. Amazing. Thank you so much. I think that's so interesting to look at too, because also I feel like, yeah, right, Pluto is obviously where you're thrown into kind of challenges, but also where you you come out much more powerful and where you transform in life. And what's interesting too, is that something that really drew me into astrology and kind of showed its power to me even more than anything I had experienced before this was December of 2019. I read this article by this astrology website that was kind of a preview of 2020. Mm -hmm. And I kind of read it like, didn't really think too much about it. And then I remembered in March, right after I had gotten back home, the beginning of the pandemic, the stocks were crashing. And I mm-hmm. remembered I had read something about Capricorn energy and how we were going to experience something similar to the stock crash of 2008 because of all the planets in Capricorn. Mm-hmm. And when I went back and reread that entire article, everything made sense. Like everything that it had said was almost like a warning or a uh, what's the word like a forecast of the pandemic and that was when I really was like okay there's something here I need to investigate more and the reason why I know so much happened globally was because of Pluto right because it's this generational Mm -hmm. planet and it was also Pluto Saturn Uranus I think Mm-hmm. and maybe Neptune all in Capricorn of this energy of discipline of challenges of like enduring right. and in these generational planets so it's really interesting to think about in that way too how it can shape generations and how sometimes people in who are older or much younger might not understand certain things about Gen Z Gen X millennials like it, it's kind of all tied to those generational planets so that's super cool so now let's dive into the signs i know you know similarly to the planets and the houses it's very intricate and i feel like the signs even more so have so much into each of them so could you kind of talk through kind of like a rapid fire of every sign obviously won't be as in-depth as it could be but just kind of talking about like the light and the shadow of every sign 
Yeah, a hundred percent. So I love talking about the signs. The signs are not as important, you know, but they are so fun and like everyone, you know, knows about them and they really do carry a lot of weight, you know, in a chart and how things are expressed. So to start off, Aries. So Aries is the first sign and it is ruled by Mars. It's fire sign. So it's all about starting things, initiating something in that creativity, that spark. Um, the shadow side of it, the darker side of it would be really not taking time with things and being super impatient and therefore not sticking with something, you know, seeing something through. So Aries energy really needs to slow down and like understand what it's getting itself into and what it's doing. Then Taurus, so literally the opposite of Aries. Taurus is very slow and um, very controlled and steady. And so the kind of benefit of Taurus would be being able to see things through, being able to slow down and have patience and understand that things happen for a reason and that you're gonna reach your destination eventually. But the downside or like the shadow of Taurus would be holding yourself back because you're so comfortable, like you're so complacent in where you are that you're not pushing yourself to move forward and to do things that are differently, um, you know, different in your life that'll bring more benefits to you. Then you go to Gemini. So Gemini is probably the most changing sign of the Zodiac. It is mutable air. So it's always changing. It's always moving. It's curious. It is the jack of all trades, master of none. Um, and so Gemini energy in your chart can really tell you where you should put a lot of your mental energy towards, like where you should be curious, where you should be learning new things. But the downside of Gemini is instability and unreliability, you know, things that really you can't see coming or things that are, um, you can't have a grasp on. So Gemini also has to slow down and kind of really take the time with things that it truly cares about to figure out what will stick. And then you go to Cancer. So cancer is ruled by the moon. It's, you know, the, the motherly energy in the chart. It's nurturing, it's caring, it's loving. It has so much soul and so much heart that it can expand to meet anyone's needs. Um, and so cancer energy in the chart will really tell you where you need to accept nurturing and love and care and where you also need to be nurturing and loving and caring towards other people. Um, the kind of shadow part of cancer is too much like, um, too much reliable, like relying on any other people. So really kind of not taking care of itself and expecting something else or someone else to take care of it, you know, needing um, motherly energy rather than like accepting mother motherly energy. So it's, it's really like a, a double-edged sort of being needy versus being, you know, accepting care and being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And then you go to Leo. So Leo is ruled by the sun. It's the king. It's the lion in the chart. You know, it's all about pride and um, really like feeling on top of the world, feeling like, you know, special and unique and amazing and shining. Um, the downside of Leo, which everyone kind of is aware of, I think, when you talk about Leo placements, this, is, this tends to be the, the rhetoric for people, is that they can be too prideful or, you know, too bashful in a certain way where they are really, um, you know, being show-offy or kind of also being needy in a different way than cancer, more of needy of attention, needy of, you know, things that people can give you, relying on people for your own um, authenticity or like your own exception of your acceptance of yourself. So Leo energy has to be careful to fully accept one's own self rather than expecting other people to accept you for who you are, um, who you feel like you need to be. And then you go to Virgo. So Virgo is an earth sign and it's very practical and very logical about life. Everything with Virgo is about practicality and how you can really be focused on the tangible things in life, you know, like the material things in our world and fixing all the things that we can see and touch and feel. Um, the shadow side of Virgo is perfectionism, you know, really feeling like they have to make everything perfect when obviously nothing ever is going to be perfect. And so they can really kind of get stuck on something. Virgo energy can get stuck in trying to improve something that doesn't need to be improved or doesn't need to be fixed. So there's that double-edged sword with that one. And then you go to Libra. So Libra is um, really all about relationships and, and beauty and harmony and peace. It really feels the need to have something or someone else around it in its life in order to 
bring balance and bring harmony. You know, it's the scales. And so it feels like if it's alone, the scale is tipped. And so it needs someone else or something else to balance it out. So with Libra in your chart, you want to accept the need for other people in that area of life, but also focus on yourself as well. Don't get too caught up in trying to build relationships or have something else to balance you. Figure out how to balance yourself in that area of that life. And then you go to Scorpio. So Scorpio is one of the most, I think, misunderstood and Mm -hmm. difficult to understand (laughs) signs of the Zodiac. Um, And it likes it that way. It it intentionally is kind of difficult to understand. Um, Scorpio is the definition of double-edged sword in the sense that it wants so desperately to be understood and, and, and loved and cared for. But on the, at the same time, it pushes people or pushes things away because it doesn't want to be, you know, seen for what it truly is. It has this shadow side to it naturally um, that is always there. You know, that shadow side never goes away. It's almost always there with Scorpio. And so Scorpio energy in a chart, the number one thing to watch out for is the idea of like control, like feeling like you have to control certain things in that area of life or how people view you, how people react to you. It's all about letting go of control and really just letting things happen. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Sagittarius. So Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter. So it's just like Jupiter. It's about expansion and abundance and growth. Um, Sagittarius is the teacher. It really, it likes to share and absorb knowledge. It wants to really um, see and experience everything that it possibly can. So it's very adventurous. It's very open-minded and outgoing in that way. Um, The kind of shadow part of Sagittarius is being too open-minded to where you're not focusing on the details. You know, you're not thinking about all the little things you have to do to make that dream or that idea come true. So it's really about focusing, like honing in on things with Sagittarius and really being a little bit more detailed with your thinking. And then you get to Capricorn. So Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. So it's just like that, you know, that stability and that organization, that structure that Saturn upholds. So it's really about uh, success. That's kind of like the overarching theme for Capricorn is success. Obviously, everyone's idea of success is different. So it's not always a capitalistic idea of success. It's not always I want to have this much money to be successful. It can also be, I want to have a family and that's success to me. I want to be happy in the future. That's success to me. So with Capricorn, you want to focus on success, but not have success be the only thing that you're striving for in life. You want to have balance between being successful and focusing on that, but just enjoying the journey to get to success at the same time. Mm, I love that one. (laughs) And then you go to Aquarius. So Aquarius also is very misunderstood. Um, I think that, you know, there's definitely a stigma or an idea attached to Aquarius energy in the sense that they, you know, are seen as kind of like strange or it's seen as like this weird, right. Like, like oh, like they're that one, like really weird kid in school. Right. (laughs) Stuff like that. Exactly. It's, and it's so, I mean, it's, it didn't come from nowhere. Like the, those ideas didn't come from anywhere, you know, nowhere, but they're definitely not, they're definitely not the only thing that Aquarius represents or really what is most important about Aquarius. I think the biggest thing with Aquarius is this idea of like group consciousness. So really wanting to understand people as like a group and be a part of a group and contribute to the world in some way you know Aquarius is so it has the idea of being the recluse because it's so focused on like improving the world and like contributing itself and giving itself to causes or things that it really cares about that's important to it so with Aquarius in your chart that area of life should be where you value independence and it should be where you really push to the authentic but it should also be an area of life where you're focusing on how you can contribute, you know, what can you give, what values can you add to that area of life for other people? Um, So Aquarius has that kind of that double part of it. And then lastly, so Pisces is the very last sign of the Zodiac. And Pisces, because it's the last, it really kind of deals with empathy. Um, It can encompass and really understand all the 11 other signs that came before it. And it has this understanding, this knowledge that isn't tangible, that isn't something that you can learn about. It just has this understanding that's on a deeper level. Um, And so Pisces energy in your chart should be an area of life where you focus on empathy, where you focus on almost like 
giving yourself to whatever that area of life is fully and embracing that area of life 100%. On the other part of that, the other side of the coin, it's about boundaries and making sure that that area of life, you're not giving too much of yourself. You know, you're not fully like really giving up your agency or your power that you have balance between giving and making sure that you're getting, you're taking as well, that you're getting reciprocation in that area of life, that things are not kind of out of your reach, or out of your grasp, that you have some level of control and boundaries uh, for you in that area. So mm-hmm. those are the, the 12 signs that just of the shadow and light of each sign. Thank you so much. That's so thorough, but at the same time, to the point, which is great. It's interesting because I have so many friends in water signs. Like basically mm. all of my friends are Cancer, Scorpio, or Pisces. Wow. Um, and I have a few Sagittarius friends too um, and Gemini. But I feel like with Pisces, I always say it's the, those types of people are the people that feel things so intensely mm-hmm. and it's they can get overwhelmed by those feelings and then they try to just push it away they just yeah they they feel it so much that it's so roaming and they just push it away instead of embracing their emotional complexity and their ability to understand the emotions of those around them so it's a really positive quality that's meant to be embraced not pushed away um, which I love and I always think yeah it's so powerful to just keep learning more and more about your chart because it's a fact that like a lot of people also say, oh, I feel like I could read every horoscope and like some, it could be a part, like I could be applicable to me. Right. But that's because we have all the signs within us. We all have the signs in different areas of our lives. And mm-hmm. some parts of our lives might have more emphasis. Like people might have a lot of planets in a sign or right. a lot of energy in one house specifically. But in the end of the day, you can always understand people from every single sign and relate to every sign because a part of your life will have that sign's embodiment for you, mm-hmm. which I think is so cool. Yeah, so thank you for explaining that so in depth. So that's it for today's episode. You guys, I hope you enjoyed learning from Anaya. She is so knowledgeable and so sweet. And it was a pleasure having her on the show. I'm so excited for part two next week. I hope this episode kind of gave you a little bit of an overview of why astrology is truly so powerful and why it really isn't as broad as people think because it's so intricate, it's so detailed to every person's chart. And I hope it also helped you understand a little bit about the three main components of every birth chart, the houses, the planets, and the signs, and that it encourages you to maybe go a little bit more in depth. I would highly, highly recommend booking a reading with Anaya. She's so talented. So I'll include a link to her website in the show notes, as well as a link to her TikTok, her Patreon, and her Instagram. So make sure to check her out follow her and tag along. She shares lots of wonderful content that's super engaging, especially on her TikTok. So stay tuned for next week. We'll dive in a little bit more on the nodes, which kind of talk about your soul's purpose. We talk about career pointers and Chiron, which is an important asteroid in birth charts, as well as lots more. We also talk about the astrology of 2021 and important transits that we're going to be going through. So make sure to check that out next week. As always, thank you for tuning in. Make sure to leave a five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts as well as following along at Luna the Podcast on Instagram and at the Carolina Lifestyle for my personal account. I look forward to seeing you next week and hope you have an amazing rest of your day.